0: Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready, are you? Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com.
1: Hey, Chuck. Joshers. You were about to be in Guatemala, buddy. Correction, dude.
0: We are in Guatemala as this is playing. Wow. Pretty cool, huh? Yeah, it's the magic of
1: technology. So tell them what we're plugging here. Uh, well, we're going to be down in Guatemala finding out whether education can actually alleviate poverty or not, right? Yep. Uh, and while we're down there, we're going to be blogging the whole time. Hopefully, as we speak, there will be blog posts Uh, And if we don't
0: have internet access, it'll be up next week.
1: Yeah, the internet in Guatemala may or may not be spotty. We haven't figured it out yet. But if not, they'll be up the following week, right? Indeed. Okay, well, you can check those out at the blogs at HowStuffWorks.com. Chuck and I share a blog called Stuff You Should Know Appropriately Enough, right? Yes. That's that, right? On with the show. On with the podcast. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. With me, as always, is Charles W. Chuck Bryant. And Chuck... Yes, Josh. I'm going to paint a scene for you. Literally? Uh, that might take a while. No, with my words. Well, what's that canvas and easel doing in here, then? This is just to help me think. Okay, gotcha. Okay? Let's hear it. I'm just going to draw stick figures right here, so don't expect too much. Gotcha. Imagine, right, that you are tied to a pole. Okay, so you're, far so good. You're bound with your hands behind your back. Less good. And your uh, ankles are also bound to said pole. Yeah, which is looking upright. Uh-huh. It's erect. Sure. And um, you notice that uh, there are there's an awful lot of really dry firewood scattered around you, around this pole. That's not good. It's not, really <laughs> not good. Even uh, less good is uh, you figuring out that there's some guy... Uh, probably some sort of priest or official, maybe an executioner, coming towards <laughs> you with a torch. Are there people there? There are tons of people. All oh, of boy. your neighbors, okay. people in your very small community who you've known your whole life. Oh, my neighbors would be saying, who's that guy? <laughs> right. Well, uh, this is in a different time. <laughs> okay. Okay. So well, let's say that you know all of your neighbors and work with them and trade with them and, and gotcha. uh, maybe sure. it helped raise their children. Wow. Right. All right. Healed them when they were sick using herbs and, and maybe incantations. Those there were nice better thing. times in the past, yeah. right? Now everyone in your town is pointing at you and laughing at you and yelling and and calling you horrible names and accusing you of doing horrible things like um, stealing babies and sucking their blood. and Wow. Yeah, just doing all sorts of terrible stuff, right? Sure. And in front of you are your daughters. You have a couple of daughters. Okay. And they're being forced to watch This man who's approaching you with the torch. But not only that, they're being whipped in front of you. Wow. So you're about to die in one of the most horrible ways a human being can die, right? While you're watching, your daughter's being whipped and the entire town pointing at you, calling you horrible names, and just basically lacking any level of humanity whatsoever. Wow. That's pretty rosy. Oh, I'm not done yet. (laughs) Really? The guy finally makes it over. Uh-huh. He took his sweet-ass time, didn't he? Sure. He finally makes it over with the torch and lights the kindling, and all of a sudden, you got the hot foot. Yeah. <laughs> right? The flames start to climb and climb. You're having trouble breathing. You're extremely hot. Your clothes are catching on fire. Yeah, sure. Your your skin is blistering. The pain is about as intense as it can possibly be. Of course. From what I understand, burning to death in this manner can take a matter of hours. Wow. Wow. Until I die. Yes, or until I guess you're completely burned up. Josh, that's awful. It is pretty awful. I can't imagine a worse way to die. No, I can't either, Chuck, but do you want to know something? What's that? This actually happened to hundreds of thousands of people during the Middle Ages in Europe and later on in the United States. We are talking about witches. We are talking about witches. Perhaps the, witchcraft. One of the most misunderstood or uh, reviled groups of all time in history.
0: Yeah, never think about that. No, you probably would have said gypsies.
1: Yeah, but no
0: witches. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's my two cents. Yeah, I would agree with that, especially after reading this article. Yeah, and hearing that story. Witches got the uh, the bad end of the stick. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. So where do we go from here, Josh? To the beginning, sure. We don't actually know the very beginning, right? Because witchcraft and, and has been
1: around since, like there were prehumans, right? Sure. Yeah. I mean, you, you can make uh, you can make the case that all pre-Christian uh, religions, with the exception of Judaism, uh, were um, witchcraft, basically.
0: Yeah, because the article pointed out here that witchcraft, like when times were rosy, everything was great, but then when plague hit and uh, famine and disease, then that's when people said, oh, you know, maybe we should get this uh, shaman to cook up a little potion or say mm-hmm. a spell to the gods, and maybe things will turn in our favor.
1: And if they didn't turn in their favor, then the shaman or the witch or the folk healer yeah. whatever <laughs> usually found the entire town against him or her. Sure. Right? And perhaps even burned at the stake. But this was before, before a certain period... Witchcraft was basically just like whatever. It was normal, commonplace, everyday stuff. Yeah. And there wasn't necessarily anything like evil associated with it like no. we do today. It was magic. Right, with a K. Explain. <laughs> uh, yes, M A G I C K
0: is to differentiate. That is a common accepted spelling by modern witches to aso- differentiate between, uh, like, let's say. Um, Real witchcraft? David Copperfield, right? That kind of magic, or an illusion, an illusionist, yes. Or John C. Riley as the illusionist at the end of Boogie Nights. Remember, he became a magician at the end. No, I totally <laughs> forgot that. Yeah, yeah, that's what he became after his porn career. I forgot about that. Anyway, that kind of magician, or uh, the other kind of magic, which is there's both black and white magic, and they're they're not necessarily mutually exclusive as to good and evil, right? As we learned,
1: no. At some point, though, the tide very much turned. And there's actually a – there's yeah. some – I should say uh, it turned at one point, but there were several things that led up to the turning of the tide against right. witches, Didn't right? did you
0: say saying, uh, Augustine had something to do with this? Well, actually um, – is it Augustine? Yeah. Okay. I know we always say Augustine, and uh, you doubt his uh, existence at times. <laughs> We've gotten some email on that.
1: Yeah. Um, Roundabout – a d four Augustine argued that only God could suspend the normal laws of the universe, therefore there couldn 't possibly any such be any such thing as what uh witches claim to be able to do right right so basically they may as well have just been engaged in tooth fairy studies or something like that sure. they they were totally harmless, <laughs> possibly wacko, but to the Christian church, they had nothing to do with anything sure right okay and that that view was held for a good 800 years so it's popular yeah uh, so which is they went along their merry way did their own thing christianity mm-hmm. went along its merry way did its own thing and um no real problems right right until ad 1208 uh-oh and a, a pope named innocent the third went to war with the cathars you heard of these guys no but i've heard of the innocents
0: have you yeah, and the third had nothing on Junior. Just let me say that.
1: Who the second? Oh yeah. We tell me innocent two. No, no, no. We don't need to get into that. Okay, go ahead though. Anyway, uh, innocent the third, not uh-huh. Junior. Right. Uh, innocent the third. Did they use Junior to <laughs> denote popes? Oops. No, no. Okay. Um, <laughs> innocent the third declared war in the Cathars. The okay. Cathars were this kind of um, Christian sect who lived in uh, France. I think Northern France in Languedoc. Okay. Okay. Um, and they were very much convinced that on Earth and throughout the universe there was a very real war going on between God and the Devil. Sure. Good and evil. Yeah, yeah. Right. Light and dark. Night and day. The, yeah. Right. Uh-huh. And there was very clear division, and there was a, a power struggle going on. Okay. The Cathars also clearly um, believed that the Roman Church. Roman Catholic Church yeah. was actually the Church of Satan.
0: Okay. They the, really believed that, huh?
1: Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, and they were very much opposed to the Roman Church. Okay. The Roman Church had more power, led by Innocent III. Sure. Said, you know what, Cathars, uh, we decided that you guys worship the devil, and not only that, we're going to create propaganda right. that shows, that our wood carvings showing your people kissing the anus of the devil in person, because you guys are devil worshipers. <laughs> Take that. Wow. That was uh, not a good day. The Cathars were persecuted. They, <laughs> they really were did that? They, yeah, yeah. And to this day, they're called the Cathar heretics. I'm sure they could
0: have gotten by with, like, kissing the hand of the devil or something.
1: I saw a, a wood carving. a little overboard. It's like the devil with the cloven hoofs, and he's bent over, like, right. kiss my ass. <laughs> kiss my devil butt? Exactly. Can I go on? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Does it get better? It does. I can't well, imagine. it doesn't get better for witches. Okay. So now we have people who oppose the church. Yes. Worship Satan. Yes. That division has just been created. Gotcha. Okay. Um, and the whole reason the Pope went after the Cathars, the uh, idea that there was a war between good and evil going on. Right. Was actually like 80 years later adopted by St. Thomas Aquinas. Okay. For him. And he's like, okay, there is such a thing as demons and they're here on earth. And not only are they involved in pleasuring themselves, they really, really like to lead Uh, human beings astray from god so this is going on there is real evil it's really tangible and it's all around us all the time we have to protect ourselves as christians and we have to be suspicious of other people who aren't christians because they're probably being led astray by these demons okay now we start to have everyday people who can possibly be in league with the devil because it's all around us right all right and this is when this was first taking root right this is the real start of it everything's been leading up to this point okay right and then finally, Chuck, in 1484, we have the real seed of how we view witches and the witch scare, which led to the witch executions and persecution. Sure. Um, 1484, a pair of German friars took two years to write the Malleus Maleficarum. Okay. Right? It's uh, basically a witch-finding handbook. How to seek them out. How to seek them out, how to try them, how to execute them. Gotcha. Basically, these two German friars, um, remember the vow of abstinence, were not very happy with women. And they basically made all this stuff up. Most witches were women. Um... To tell a witch, anyone who is suspected of it, any woman who is s- suspected of it should be stripped down and searched for moles. <laughs> right. Right. And then um also witches like to steal penises from men, collect okay. them, keep them in a box where they would move by themselves and eat oats and corn. Okay. Pretty awful idea, right? Yeah. And And um, also, like, witches, when you're trying a witch, you have to lead her in backwards so she doesn't have a chance to cast spells on everybody when she's sure. coming in the room. Makes sense. Just stupid, stupid Like that, right? (laughs) That's probably going to get bleeped out, huh? I think so. Okay. And that led to the witch scare, the witch persecution, and the witch executions that we know and love today. Hundreds of thousands of people, Chuck. Wow. Hundreds of thousands of people were killed because these two German friars Uh wrote this book and just made it up. I feel like we could stop there. I have more. I'll try to (laughs) interject it later. So, Josh –
0: Yes. Should we talk about one of the most famous uh, of those persecutions? Yes. Not single persecution. A set of persecutions in 1692 in Salem, Massachusetts, of course. Mm-hmm. If you've read The Crucible, you know what we're talking about mm-hmm. Salem witch trials. Yeah. Yeah. Should we go over that real quick? I think we should. This all started because a couple of precocious teenage girls may or may not had uh, have had clinical hysteria. Or been bored. Or been bored, maybe epilepsy, you never know. Point is, they were having convulsions and screaming like as if they were possessed, saying they were being pinched and, and poked. Is that what it was? Yeah, uh, by an unseen force. Bitten and pinched, not poked, <laughs> by an unseen
1: force. They were they were poked by the witch examiners, I'm sure. Oh,
0: okay. Uh, and the doctor, actually, the witch examiner said, you know, they
1: are clearly bewitched. Right, and how? Because that stupid book probably. The stupid book. Yes. He, he probably had that in his little doctor. A physician. Office. He wasn't even a witch examiner. That guy was the village physician. Yeah, he was a and doctor. And he was like, I can't come up with any explanation, so they're clearly
0: bewitched. Right. And so this led to the uh, one by one, these ladies in Salem, Massachusetts, and this was clearly before their big liberal uh, influx of uh, liberals in Massachusetts. Yeah, those days are over. Well, yeah, true. Recently. And uh, these women became, you know, persecuted and accused of being witches. And
1: a couple of men, too, but, yeah, mostly women. Yeah. Women who lived on their own. um, Of course. Which was a a crime, supposedly, in um, Salem. You know who didn't help?
0: The servant. Tichaba. Was that her name? Yeah. Yeah, this was a West Indian servant of one of the girls, and she really cemented the whole deal when she said that uh, she admitted in court to dealing with the devil and flying on sticks and uh said quote unquote, they made her hurt those girls.
1: Yeah. She didn't help things. Yeah,
0: so that really sent it into high gear. Yeah. And what, like twenty twenty people were were killed, right? Mm-hmm. Put to death.
1: Yeah, one guy, um, Giles, I can't remember his last name, he was pressed to death with a heavy stone. He was like an really? old man, an elderly man, and they put they laid him on a big stone and put an even bigger stone on top of his chest and the life was pressed out of him. Wow. Yeah. I've never heard of that. I, I believe he was he was tortured to death like that because he would not confess to being a witch. I wonder what they called that. Was that called pressing, pressing. or something? It was. Yeah. Goodness me, that's creative.
0: Uh, and that was um, that went on for a little while uh, under the rule of the general court, but then that court was usurped by the court of the judicature. Nice. And they basically reversed stance, and not very many witches after that
1: took place were persecuted right they basically said okay the uh, witch hunt is over let's all just pretend this never happened yeah. <laughs> that's
0: literally what happened and that was it no yeah. more witchery yeah i said only three more people after that were found guilty of witchcraft and they were even pardoned yeah later on and they still don't know what was up with these two girls like no. we said they could have been little, you know precocious little girls looking for attention or they could have you
1: know had some Mass, or not mass hysteria, but clinical hysteria. I wrote an article for the site um, about this study this woman conducted, I think in the 70s. And she proposed that they were actually all poisoned um, by ergot. Oh, really? Which is a hallucinogen to humans. And that everybody got it from eating rotten grain. Huh. And um, was basically tripping. Well, that was one of the theories of the Enlightenment at one point. It's a bad trip.
0: was that a lot of the Enlightenment uh, was because of bad bread. Yeah. Basically, people are hallucinating and coming up with all these amazing inventions. That's awesome. Yeah. I don't know if that's true, though. Yeah.
1: So, where are we, Josh? Well, uh, we could uh, start to talk about the modern era. Okay. Well, pagan uh, religion? Well, do you want to talk about the different kinds of uh, witchery around the world? Yeah, I've got a couple
0: I'd like to highlight. I want to hear it, Chuck. Okay. Josh, you know I was going to pick this one, Appalachian Folk Magic. So cool.
1: <laughs> Can't you see Nell? Nay ne typo Nell <laughs> putting like a hex on somebody. That was the worst movie ever.
0: Uh, Appalachian Folk Magic, Josh, is you know, clearly around this area of the southeast, and they have a very much Christian-based idea of it, of a Christian god and a devil as the good and evil like you were talking about. Sure. And they are uh, can use their magic with a K for good or evil. And uh, they look to nature for omens and like to portent the future. Yeah, and they're local men. Yeah, I know. We could probably go up in North Georgia and round up a couple of these. That would be pretty boss, actually. Yeah, yeah. I'd
1: like to go do that. What's yours? What? Give me something. Uh, one of my favorites is this is the coolest name: Pennsylvania Dutch Hexcraft. Yeah, I like that. A.K.A. Pow Pow Wow. Uh huh. Yeah, um, and it is from the well Pennsylvania Dutch area of Pennsylvania. German uh, and uh, Dutch settlers, Uh including the Amish, um, but also including people who are uh, reformists like Lutherans, right, Protestants, um, believe in this stuff where you can create goodwill, blessings, things like that, usually for the home um, by creating symbols, hexes, Ah. which um, apparently, when they were, when they first arrived and they were talking to the English, mm-hmm. they were saying sexes, six. Oh. But the English heard hex, gotcha. and that's why it's called hexcraft. It's not the least bit, um, dark. Yeah, like, you think you of a hex as a bad thing. Right. You know that, you know that pineapple welcome flag that people like hang outside of their house sometimes? Yeah, sure. That's a Pennsylvania Dutch hex. Really? Yeah. Um, bless this home. Uh huh. That's a Pennsylvania Dutch hex. The two partridges with a heart, right? Pennsylvania Dutch hex. What about the pretty, uh, pretty <laughs> nice stuff? You know, it's real pleasant witchcraft. What about "Don't tread on me"? The rattlesnake. It's a little different.
0: That's not the same thing. No, okay. <laughs> uh, and of course, we got to talk about Wicca. That's probably where we're going to spend most of our time here because Wicca is the most widely, even though it's the youngest. Well, no, no about youngest, but only what, like sixty years old? Yeah, about. But it's still what the probably the most widely accepted form of modern witchcraft. Right. And it's a form of
1: paganism, right? Let's talk about paganism. Okay. Because that that gets a bad rap. It does. Um, A pagan is also uh, often interchangeably called a heathen. Yeah. And basically it's a, a a pagan can mean either like someone who doesn't subscribe to the big three, Christianity, Judaism, or Islam. Sure. So any other religion, including like major established religions like Buddhism, Hinduism, that kind of thing. They're technically pagan. Or it can be, it can denote a uh, a religion that existed prior to sure. uh, Christianity, right. Judaism, Islam, that kind of thing. Gotcha. And actually, the other characteristic of it um, is that it's it's usually polytheistic, right? More than one god. Exactly. That that is the characteristic, right? Uh, yeah.
0: Sort of like the rectangle square thing, huh? Well, if, if, it's, if, it, if you have multiple deities, you're definitely pagan, but if not, does it mean you necessarily aren't a pagan? Does that make sense? I just blew your mind, didn't I? <laughs> yeah, you did. <laughs> wow. So pagan actually means country person, though, in, in Latin. That's yeah. sort of the easiest way to put it, sort of like just a uh,
1: redneck. Kind of, you know, home and hearth. I think, or yeah. hearth dweller is the Latin, the Latin translation. Yeah, but they weren't city people, and they were looked down upon.
0: But it wasn't; they weren't necessarily bad or anything. Right, they were just kind of, like you said, rednecks, bumpkins,
1: Appalachian. And it was later on, is when they became associated with Satan, right? And and we've seen why, oh, or we've seen how. I'll get to why later on because that'll blow your mind too, dude. Okay, okay, but yeah, right now, as far as we know. There's pretty much only one form of witchcraft practiced in the world, seriously practiced in the world. Yeah. Um, And that is Wicca. Right. And like you said, Chuck, it's only about 60 years old. And it was uh, created by a guy named Gordon Gardner, right? Uh, Gerald Gardner. Gerald
0: Gardner. His brother Gordon actually was working on a different religion, and it didn't pan out. It didn't. It just kind of petered out. So Gordo fell by the wayside, and Gerald took over. Right. (laughs) None of that is true, by the way. Because people are Wiccas are going to write in and say, I've never heard
1: of Gordon. <laughs> what was his religion? We should make up a pamphlet. And curse you! <laughs> right. Actually, no, Chuck. I know. <laughs> that's. I'm glad you did that, though, because that's a great segue. Um, there's some real misunderstandings of Wicca. Yeah, big time. And Wiccans. Um, first and foremost is that they're devil worshippers. Not true. No, it's not true. As a matter of fact, the Wicca don't even believe that uh, there is a Devil, they don't believe in the Christian concepts of the devil or hell. Yeah, exactly. So, how could you worship the devil if you don't even believe in exactly, him? Josh? That's a that's a big one right there. What's another misconception, Chuck?
0: Well, he had, Gardner actually founded it as a life affirming religion that uh, does include psychic abilities and magic, but the the Wicca takes an oath, or is it a Wiccan? I guess. Yeah. Takes an oath to not do harm. It's like it's only for self-improvement. It's almost like – well, it's not like self-help, but it's only meant to uh, to be performed on yourself. Isn't that right?
1: Yeah, and technically uh, there there is an implied understanding that you could harm other people with the, the power that you come to harness yeah. through the Wiccan rituals. But they, they – like you said, they take an oath not to uh, harm other people. And there's also a Wiccan belief that if you do harm other people – what is it, the rule of three? If you harm other people – Another person, the damage you've inflicted will come back on you threefold. So there's kind of that um, prohibition. Uh, Should we talk about, uh, I think this is really cool, the life force
0: cosmic energy bit. It is cool, and this is pretty much the crux of their whole thing. Yeah, the crux of the whole thing is that Wiccans believe, well, the scientific concept we all believe is that all matter vibrates with its own energy. Wiccans believe, you don't believe that? I don't believe that. (laughs) Wiccans believe that uh, a witch's body has that same vibration, both physical and spiritual rate of vibration. And during these rituals they perform, they vibrate such that they can uh, create a pathway for energy to flow through them and call on energy from the gods and deities.
1: Right. Rather than I, – I think all of us, in their opinion, have – a Physical molecular vibration and a spiritual molecular vibration. Yeah. But that they learn how to meld the two together and sure. become suddenly exceedingly powerful. Yeah. And to channel it from more powerful think beings in themselves. Right. And That's with the key. And right. Yes. Uh, and because you have to invoke a deity. Yeah. To uh, carry out one of their rituals. Do you want to talk about the great rite, Chuck? That's the best one, <laughs> I think so too. And there's a there's a sentence in the description of the great rite that I just thought was so cute. Yes, Josh, the great rite is uh, one of the main
0: central ceremonies, and there's tons and tons of them. Well, and they're all different. Yeah, and there's all different kinds of ways that you can do them. But we're going to go over just basically a generic ge- uh, great rite ceremony.
1: Right, um, that's our disclaimer. And we should say that there are three levels to Wicca. And uh, each level is learned in a year and a day. starts out as, I think, student, teacher, and high... No, student, practitioner, and teacher. Right. So you've got witch, priestess, and then high priestess, or priest.
0: Yes, and once you've completed all those phases, Josh, you are
1: official and you have the power to perform these rituals. So the great rite ritual is actually carried out by the coven, and we should also say Wicca can um, perform... By themselves. They can do rituals on their own. Yeah, sure. But they also have covens, right? Coven, if you're a fan of American movie.
0: Um, <laughs> Matt, our guest producer, clearly is. He's laughing. Uh, Remember American movie? Did you see that? The no, documentary about... Uh-uh. Oh, really? Uh-uh. It's good. You should definitely see American movie. Okay. He he makes a short film, this crazy filmmaker guy in Wisconsin, and he calls it Coven instead of Coven. Okay. But he thinks he's right. This <laughs> is a funny thing. <laughs> You're gonna
1: see this thing. Oh, it's
0: great. Okay. Shall I continue? Yes. <laughs> okay. So they can be in a coven, or they can be. Uh, but let's say they're in a coven. A solitary, sure.
1: Right. The, for our purposes, we're going to describe a coven ritual. Coven ritual. Now you have me screwed see? up. <laughs> I like coven more. Um, so you have the high priest and the high priestess of the coven, right? Yes. And you have the uh, what they're the the great rite ritual is to um, signify the coming together of um, the high priest and the high priestess, the god and the goddess. And when you
0: say come together, you mean sexually?
1: Yes. Now, this can be done either symbolically. Sure. Using a uh, FM. Yeah, sort of like a a dull knife. Yeah, it's a, a, a pretty wicked looking ceremonial knife. Yeah, yeah. Not used um, to cut things, though. No, and that's that represents the phallus. Sure. And the caul- the cauldron mm-hmm. represents the womb. Yeah. So the high priest might be like, "Oh, here comes the Atham and then like right, the, right. Uh, the high priestess <laughs> is like, "I got the cauldron right here," and then boop, you know, and then the, that's the the main part of the ritual, right? I got one word for that. Boring. Right. Uh, and so a coven may opt to actually have the high priest and the high priestess engage in the sexual act. Yes. To really, really just kind of, I guess, the deal. get the ritual going. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Now, here's the really cute sentence that I yeah. thought <laughs> no, came up say. in this article. Uh, Leanne Obringer, who wrote it points out that often the high priest and the high priestess are married. Yeah. Very cute. It is very cute. And they actually do not perform. The the whole coven
0: (laughs) has to agree to the literal interpretation where the sexual act is performed. Right. And they have to all be in agreement, and it does not actually take place.
1: Like Caligula style in front of everyone. No. They, they do do that in private. That's another, uh, that's another, um, misconception is that they have orgies and things like that. They yeah. do, they do, uh, have the sexual act once in a while. Right. Um, like say for the Great Right. But again, covens, apparently from this article, I've come to learn that covens are fairly democratic. Sure. And everyone has to be in agreement that they're either going to do it symbolically. Right. Or they're going to do it literally. Um, same with, uh, Skyclad, right? Right. Yeah, which I'd never heard of that. That means uh, naked, N- yeah. naked. Yeah, that's what Wiccans call being naked. Skyclad. Yeah. Skyclad. I'm going to use that at home next cool. time. Yeah, I'm just skyclad, honey. Babe, I'm
0: going skyclad.
1: But uh, again, like you can perform a ritual skyclad or you can do right. it clothed in robes. And uh, again, that's up to the coven as a sure. whole whether they, they do that. Um, Chuck. Josh. What's the point of the great ritual? The great right ritual.
0: Uh, Well, it can um, bring good harvest. That's one reason they'll do that. And to continue the circle of life so that a new God can be born at Yule. And Yule, Y-U-L-E, we found out, is the uh, the first day of the Wiccan year is a uh, Sabbath or holy day
1: called Yule. Is that right? Yeah. And that sounds kind of familiar, doesn't it? The Yule log? It does, Josh. Huh. <laughs> That's funny that something from Christmas would have to do with a pagan tradition. Interesting. Weird. Um, so Yule is one of the, uh, is it Sabbat or Sabbat? Uh, I'm going to say Sabbat. I'm going to go with Sabbat. Okay. And you say
0: Coven, I'll say Coven, okay? <laughs> okay? Um, that way we get our, got our bases covered. No one can write in, so we said it
1: wrong. Right, exactly. We should do that for everything. I agree. Okay. So Sabbat, uh, Sabbath is one of the holy days, uh, and the Wicca Wiccans, um, observe eight throughout the year. Like Chuck said, Yule is the celebration of the winter solstice uh-huh. and it's the um the the time when the goddess gives birth to the new god. So the great rite hastens the Yule birth, right? Correct. After that you have uh Imbolc, I M B O L C, which is uh, celebrated on February 2nd, right? Yeah. And that's when the spring crops are planted. Y- yeah, like with
0: most of these things that we've heard they uh not even Wiccan but they're uh, rites to the gods usually has to do with like harvest and growing things and
1: and that's what most uh religious holidays yeah that we had we still observe today that's where they find their roots sure. it's all it was all um agrarian that's what i was trying to say you just said it a lot smarter
0: than me though <laughs> thanks and then there's saw right right which um had something to do with
1: halloween what was the deal there actually the wicca believed that on this night the um the the gauze between life and death uh-huh. is virtually removed and the dead can communicate with the living but here's what i find very cool what's that the dead's not like go get me some cigarettes or anything like that <laughs> it's a time of celebrating with your your dead family members having a uh, feasting with them having right. um basically just hanging out with the people who in your life who died that's nice isn't it so much of this it gets you know you think it's some dark satanic ritual it has
0: nothing to do with any of that no it doesn't not to say I'm going to run out and become a Wiccan or anything,
1: but I, back in high school, my of friend Stevie Cohen and I started uh, <laughs> looking into it. Was that like, when the ninja thing didn't work out? Wait, this is after. Okay, and I was like, uh, wait, how many rocks do we have to paint different colors, <laughs> and we have to arrange them? What? This really, really involved yeah. stuff. Like, there's a this article that Oberinger wrote. Um, it's is pretty detailed. We've only kind of hit the surface of it, um, but the. the there's even more detail to it than this. Greatly. Oh, yeah. There's a yeah, lot. Sure. It's a really detailed religion.
0: Yeah. And they have a book, you know, what's, what's that called? The Book of uh, Shadows? Yeah, which I got to say doesn't really help their case
1: to, you know, people <laughs> who don't understand what they do. Sure.
0: Yeah. They could call it, you know, the Little Wiccan Handbook, and it'd probably be like a sweeter or the name. the Book
1: of Green Fairies, or the Book of Unicorns. Right. Why not? Well, but the, <laughs>
0: the Book of Shadows is uh, the Witch's Guidebook, and it is coven specific so your own coven would would write like the spells and the the hexes and the rules and the regulations Mm -hmm. what you got to wear what time you got to show up whether you're gonna go sky clad whether you're gonna go sky clad who has to bring the sticky buns and the coffee (laughs) to the meetings (laughs) who has to clean the cauldron that kind of thing nice uh cauldron is a real thing we should talk about just a few of these um implements i guess and whether or not they really use them like
1: the broom yes do they fly around on it? No. Why not? Because witches can't fly. Okay. <laughs> uh, they do use them to uh, purify uh, the circle where the rituals take place. They, yeah, exactly. They cast a circle, and they have to um, purify the area first. Sure. So they're using the broom to literally sweep out the – I don't know if literally was the right word. They use the <laughs> yeah. broom to sweep out the uh, energy in the area. Yeah. Uh, They may also use sage, or if they want to go for the double whammy, they might use a broom that features sage woven into it.
0: Right. And you just said casting a circle. That's a big part of uh, most Wiccan ceremonies, and um, they will cast a circle. It's very important at the beginning with the north-south-east western points, Mm -hmm. and at the end of every ceremony they will close that circle kind of by reversing uh, what they did when they
1: opened it or when they cast it. And the the points represent... um, The elements, earth, water, fire, and air. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Let's talk about the pentagram, because you probably think it's like the symbol of the devil, right? I don't. Okay. (laughs) So, Josh, let's talk about the pentagram. Okay. Often seen on, you know, uh, satanic singer band album covers. Sure. Judas Priest. Yeah, exactly. Because, you know, they worship the devil, right?
1: As far as the (laughs) courts in the 80s were concerned, yeah. Right.
0: Turbo Lover clearly is a song about Satan. Dude, Judas Priest was bitching.
1: Yeah, they were awesome. Yeah.
0: Still are. Sure. Uh, So the pentacle, Josh, is a five-pointed star enclosed within a circle.
1: Right, and the five-pointed star is called the pentagram. Right. But when you put the circle around it, that's the pentacle, right?
0: Yes. Okay. And so if it's upright, which is the one point up, two points down, it is a symbol of witchcraft and represents earth, fire, water, air, and spirit. And the circle represents the gods and goddesses that allow the energy to be focused on the pentagram. Right,
1: and the circle brings all these things together into a cohesive unit. Yeah, so that's like on the cover of Rush's uh 2112.
0: 2112 upright. If you flip it upside down, that's when uh,
1: I think Satan comes into play because it's like the goat's head or something. Isn't that right? Yeah, but even that's just Is that even real propaganda. That's what I thought. From the uh that used against the Knights Templar.
0: Jeez. I know. So you know we mentioned they use cauldrons and they do have certain knives, but they're never used to like bloodlet or anything like that. They use that one dull knife to like draw shapes in the sand and things like that, or to represent the phallus
1: yes, Quink. and in the they cauldron. they
0: have wands, they use wands, yeah, they do <laughs> uh the wand represents fire and the life force of the witch,
1: and it is a symbol of uh wisdom and healing. They can also use a staff usually about shoulder high, yeah. I guess that's probably like the mega wand or something. Sure. You know? The eye wand. Sure. (laughs) So
0: is that it? You got anything else? I do
1: have something else. I was um, doing a little additional research and I came across a book review of um, a book called Caliban and the Witch by author Sylvia Federici. Let's hear it. Basically, she chronicles what happened to witchcraft, to witches, um, why... This, why hundreds of thousands of people were killed. And basically she says that it was um, part of a larger grab for power of the ruling classes ah. from, I believe, the uh, 15th to the 18th or 17th century. Okay. Right? So it was rooted in money? Well, yeah, she makes the point that um, – or she, she – yeah, she believes that, first of all, um, women had – much more power, even though it was still a patriarchy. Yeah. Prior to this, women still had much more power socially. They um, they had, they were basically unionized. They did a lot of the work and right. without them and their reproductive abilities, sure. things would get all screwed up. So basically to show women who was who – the uh, church and state, which were virtually indistinguishable at the time, right? Um, said, you know what, We're going. you're a witch, we're going to kill you. And they did it in that way that we described at the beginning, with the whole town watching, as much to punish the witch um, as to send a message to everybody well, yeah, else. Like, sure. you don't go against the male yeah. patriarchy, you don't go against the patriarchy, or else we will literally burn you to death at the stake yeah. and whip your daughter in front of you while... This is going on. And they did it over and over again. And from this brutality, they basically um, were able to consolidate their power. They also simultaneously were exploring the world and subjugating other people. But at home um, in the Middle Ages – No, medieval times, I'm sorry. Serfs each had their own plot of land. They could do whatever they wanted. Right. Even if they worked for somebody else, they still had a certain sense of – a certain measure of self-sufficiency. Right. This stuff was taken away too. Wage labor was created and you have the roots of capitalism Uh and basically what uh, Federici calls the housewiving of women going on at the same time. Right. So the division between men and women that we still have today – And the the roots of capitalism find their their place back at this time in the Middle Ages, right? Yeah. And then one more thing, too. What you got? I thought this was awesome. She compares the witch scare to uh, the terrorism scare that we're under today. Really? Basically saying, like, you know, people a lot of times think that um, that the witch scare was just carried out by ignorant hicks. Not true. It may have been carried out by ignorant hicks, but it was very much encouraged and supported by the uh, ruling class, which was the church and the state. Right. Right. So there were witches everywhere, which kept people afraid and occupied and kept what you were able to keep them down through this. They gotcha. were too busy chasing shadows and killing innocent people. Same things going on with terrorism. It's not a, a perfect analogy uh-huh. because there really are terrorists in right. the world, sure. but the the amount that it's the proportion that it's grown to is uh, is similar.
0: Wow, good stuff.
1: Thanks. And that's a new book, I guess. I think it's the review I read was from uh, early November. I'll
0: have to check that out. Yeah. Anything else, Josh? <laughs> that's it, man. <laughs> good stuff. Thanks, Chuck.
1: Josh. Like I said, we just kind of glanced the surface. I think there's so many
0: more rituals and so many kinds of covens and witches and potions
1: and hexes, and we'd spend hours talking about that. I think we have. Okay. Uh, you can type witchcraft in the handy search bar at howstuffworks.com to get a lot more information on that. And uh, now, I guess then, it's time for listener mail. I'm going to call this Ninja
0: Teenagers. Hi, Chuck and Josh. Uh, basically, let me set this up because it's kind of long. This kid grew up in Southern California – I'm sorry, in the suburbs of California. Mm-hmm. And he and his – in the 80s like we did. And he and his buddies were really into ninjas. Nice. So they decided to do what you did and train as a ninja Nice. in the suburbs of whatever – I guess you were in Ohio at the time. Mm-hmm. And so uh, they had a house next door that was uh, just randomly occupied. Like people would be there and then they wouldn't be there. They never knew anything about it, but it was usually empty. So, they decided to go into that backyard ninja style and creep around. So, picture this three preteen nerds ninja walking, shuffling, and crawling silently along the neighbor's side yard with homemade weapons in hand. Uh, they made like nunchucks and stuff like that. And uh, just as we pass the sliding glass door, the lights spring on. We are completely bathed in light, lock eyes with this nice Asian family standing there, suitcases in hand, oh, no. having just arrived from the airport. <laughs> I swear no one moved for at least a five count, and we all just stood there surprised, and we were frozen in our perfect ninja poses. <laughs> then we jumped up, ran off in a very non-assassin-like panic to our homes and our rooms, waiting for the inevitable knock on the door. So it turns out they were an Asian family that spent most of their time in Asia and would just come back to the States for weeks at a time. And so they came home to the three ninja teens. Uh, he has no idea what this poor family must have thought, still numb with jet lag having just arrived in America. To flip on the light and be met with the sight of three diminutive ninja. And it still makes him laugh, and that is from Jeremy. Jeremy also says, tell Josh when he says recidivism is one bonehead word, I get it. Nice. And Josh, while we're on ninjas, I just wanted (laughs) to bring up. (laughs) (laughs) During that episode, you said something that you called Puda Puda Puda. Right, which in Japanese means very fluent. We got a lot of emails that they had no idea what this meant. Uh, including this email from Jupe in Shanghai, uh, Shanghai, China, that is. And Jupe was very enthused because he works with a Japanese person. Okay, so, so I was
1: going to say, how does that qualify
0: him? Yeah, he 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 tries out these Japanese phrases he hears, so he went up to her and said, Puda, puta, puta. No! And she followed that with impersonating a bird, including elbow movements, telling me she thought I was talking about shaky things. So he wants to know what the heck. Why
1: did you embarrass him like that with Puda Puda (laughs) Puda? I feel like my work here is done. No, you have to explain. Uh, Actually, Puda Puda Puda, as Juke found out, does not exist. I made it up. The real word is Pada Pada. Uh, It's onomatopoeia in Japanese for uh, fluent, the way people talk very quickly when they're fluent in something, right? Pada peta. Gotcha. Gotcha. so I just started to call it Pura Pura Pura, <laughs> and as a result, we got um, a couple of s- uh, ha- self-created uh-huh. Japanese pronunciation guides from very concerned listeners yeah. who were worried like we were either having, or I was having a stroke, or just right. was that off. Or maybe you were a witch. Maybe. So, we have a phone number for a guy who works with the Japanese consulate in San Uh, Francisco anytime we need pronunciation. And my long-suffering half-Okinawan girlfriend is always a good source (laughs) of information, although I like to learn it my own way. Of course. so. So, pera pera is pura pura pura. Pura pura upon your home. Sure. It doesn't mean anything. <laughs> I like it. Okay. Um, pura 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 upon all of your homes. We just decided that that's our own little bit of Pennsylvania Dutch hexcraft. Yes. Which means it's a good thing, right? Uh huh. If you have your own uh, little version of hexcraft or a blessing for Chuck and I that we can share with other people, put it in an email and send it to stuffpodcast at howstuffworks.com.